This is firefighter Raphael Poirier for Firehouse Subs, introducing the new Firehouse Pub Steak Sub with savory steak, crispy fried onions, and our rich Belgian beer cheese sauce. On tap for a limited time. Order yours at firehousesubs.com today. Remember, a portion of every sub you buy helps provide life-saving equipment for first responders. Firehouse Subs. Enjoy more subs. Save more lives. Limited time only, plus tax. Participating locations. Firehouse Subs will donate a minimum of $1 million in 2018 to Firehouse Subs Public Safety Foundation by donating 0.13% of every purchase. You're listening to the Fantrax Radio Network. Fantasy Sports lives here. Hello, everybody, and welcome to week 9,754 of the Fantasy World Order podcast presented by Fantrax. With me, as always, is Mr. Half, Mr. Full Glass of Milk, Joe Saunders. Oh, I'm in my little Betty Bye right now. It's nice and comfy. In August, at the end of August. And we have Mr. I drafted a shitty football team, Pat Donovan. That's factually incorrect. <laughs> My football team is amazing. Always throwing shade. I hope that uh, everybody had a good fantasy football weekend, but we're still talking about fantasy baseball here, so let's move right into it with news and notes. Uh, Padres, Urias, called up. Guys, what do we think? You want me to take this one, Pat? Yeah, sure. Go first, Jeff. All right, yeah. So Urias is going to get a ton of Altuve comps, right? He's a short, light-hitting second baseman with a fairly good hit tool. Uh, From what I've seen, though, the leg kick um, in his swing looks a little too long, and I do wonder if he's going to be prone to slumps if he ever gets off on his timing at all. Um, I think anything is possible in this day and age. I mean, we've seen the power spike with Altuve. We saw it from Lindor, who wasn't a big power hitting prospect, even Jose Ramirez, who kind of worked his way into things. So these are all excellent hitter types who found their way into power. And don't get me wrong. I'm not suggesting Urias is even close to that type of prospect because I don't think he is, especially with that leg kick. Um, But stranger things have happened. As far as the rest of the year goes, I think I'd probably pass on Urias because I think there could be future guys in September that are more worth your fab than Urias's. Yeah, I totally agree. Um, I think that Urias is a player that's mostly a batting average asset. And in this sort of sample, you just can't expect or or rely on um, batting average, I think, especially first time around the league. I do echo also what you said, Joe, about this type of prospect uh, finding power potentially down the road. Um, Now, you know, it could be a couple of years. It could be, uh, it could never happen. But the fact is, is that he's got an excellent hit tool. And we've seen guys with great hit tools hit their way into more power at at this level in recent years and, and find it. So I think that's something that you need to monitor here down the stretch more so than um, anything else when it comes to Urias. I wouldn't be placing a big fab on him because the category juice probably isn't going to be there, but I'm more watching him for next year. A 398 OBP in 2018 and 2017. And I don't mind the late kick that much, honestly. Albies has a really long, high late kick, um, and it works for him. Um, I like the kid a lot. I don't know if he's rostering this year right now, but is he, I'm guessing he'll be at the top of the lineup, right? I mean, with the OBP and everything. Not, not right away. 
not right away. No. Yeah, I mean, you young kids, you gotta earn your keep. Yeah. Um, Kelvin Herrera back on the DL. Um, anyone on that team worth rostering in the pen? I mean, you know, if you're chasing saves, I think Ryan Matson's the guy right off the top of my head. Um, you know, Herrera's done for the year, so you don't have to worry about him. Doolittle's lurking in the abyss. Doolittle's lurking in the abyss. Oh, who is who is uh, who is the guy that we um we all liked but like couldn't find anything about earlier this year? Oh. Starting pitcher. On, on what team? Oh, Nate Carnes. Nate Carnes. He's he's with Nate Carnes right now. Yeah. <laughs> in the abyss. It's no, floating in the abyss. They're in the upside down. Yeah, the upside <laughs> down. That's right. Um, I mean, it's, right, well, been, it's been a really long time since I can remember a team that's had a disappointing year like the Nats. I, I just think it's unbelievable what has gone on with this team. And yep. the funny part is, is that there's totally a silver lining here with Juan Soto and eventually Victor Robles, but... It just doesn't feel that way. No. Yeah. Like, this feels like it's it's a mess. Yeah, a I mess. think uh, I think it was Buster only. He tweeted the other day, like who who was the most, what disappointing team was most likely to bounce back next year, and the Nationals were on that list. Um, I can't remember who else. The Mets. But, yeah, the Mets were on that list. The Nationals were on that list, um, and two other teams. And the Nationals won like the voter poll. And I don't know about that because they're going to lose Harper. I mean, the pitching staff's still going to be there, but they're going to have like a lot of roles to fill. Well, so I don't they, know if they're just going to bounce back. But you know what? I like the team comp. Like, if 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 I was to build a team, I would love to go into a year with like with Turner, Rendon, and Soto because like they're just going to complement each other so well. Rendon is a perfect number two guy. Soto is a perfect power hitter, and Turner's your you know, your base dealer, you know, he, he's having kind of a down year, but I'm going to get unanalytical on you and they just don't have a leader, right? Like Murphy, Murphy was kind of that, but like Harper's not the guy no. like Harper can't carry a team. I mean, he's great, but I don't know. I don't think he can do it. And like, no. they need a guy like, like even like a Todd Frazier type, you know, like a guy in the clubhouse that just, Get everyone together. What's and, um? What, what is what is Eaton's uh, deal? Is he there for after this year or no? I think he's got two more years. I think. I mean, you've got guys that get on base like crazy on that team. Like Dude, they and, could be good. And and they've they've had they've had like leaks of tr- of clubhouse trouble trouble like all the time, like yeah. every year. Well, because Hopper's kind of a dick, no? Yeah. Yeah, I mean, so I, I don't know. Like, I think they need they need to sign like a, a nice vet to like keep the team together to yeah. really to really push forward. Anyway, that was a total off topic rant. Yeah. Um. All right. So let's move into our first and only segment of the night, and it's called random players because why not? Uh, <laughs> <laughs> um. First guy we got to talk about this man, the man, the myth, the legend, the mystery box himself, Christian Yelich. Since July 21st, he's been on a tear, slashing 336, 384, 671, with a 1.056 OPS and 12 home runs. He's got 23 on the year. 26 now. So 26 on the year. So the question is, did he finally do it? Is he over the hump? Joe? Yeah, sure. So the bow percentage is the highest of his career. The hard contact percentage is crazy at 47.7%. 
And even crazier, the homer to fly ball rate is at or above 30% now. This has all the makings of a completely locked-in hitter who, when he gets pitches, he, he knows he can crush. He puts a little more on it and does just that. I, I know we've been talking about Yelich forever. The fantasy community at large has been talking forever about Yelich. You know, he should kill the ground balls and put more balls in the air. But I think at this point, Yelich is just such an advanced hitter and knows knows what he can and cannot do so well that he just waits for the opportunities when he can do extensive damage, and he does just that. And I think we're seeing, you know, he's 26 now. We're seeing the baseball smarts mixed with the baseball athleticism, and it's coming together, and he's probably going to eclipse 30 home runs. Well, I mean, when you first see the fact that he's got 26 homers, your immediate thought runs to, yeah, let's just put the ball in the air more. And that's not the case. Um, he's not lifting the ball any more than he has exactly. last year. He's actually stagnated. So since July 21st, when this big power outburst began, he's got a 54% ground ball rate. His home to fly ball rate, as of a couple of days ago, was 48%. I imagine it's higher now. Oh, it was even higher than I, I had. Imagine he's over 50% at this point. Um, so he's pretty much homering on every other fly ball for over a month. Um, that's definitely a hot streak. Um, so he's, and he's also not pulling the ball. Um, his air ball pull percentage, that's line drives plus fly balls, is flat. But what I think Yelich is doing is pulling a J.D. Martinez. He's just obliterating the ball in the air to center and opposite field. He's got a 75% hard contact since the All-Star break, up from 15% um, pre-All-Star break, which is still fantastic. Um, Full season, his hard contact on air balls actually exceeds J.D.'s just barely. Um, Now, J.D. does hit the ball in the air more, but it's probably not as much as you think. J.D. has a 45% ground ball rate. So he's significantly better than Yelich at putting the ball in the air. But J.D. isn't a guy that's hitting two for one in terms of fly balls to ground balls. So that's important to keep in mind. Um, J.D.'s homer to fly ball rate is 34%. Yelich's full year is right around 30%. So the power surge might be a real thing. Um, Before I go projecting him for that next year, I probably have to see him do it again. Um, But I I think the skills support him as kind of a mini J.D. power source. Over, under, like right now, over, under 25 and a half for next year. Oh, I'm, I'm putting him, I'm putting him right at or above 35 for next year. Pat? Yeah, see, I'm not as high as Nick. I would put him right around 27. Well, I, go ahead, Joe. I don't know. I'm kind of like, Nick, I know, I know that sounds outlandish, 35, and I don't know about 35, but I, I'm probably somewhere in between you guys. Well, listen, bottom line is this. All right. Obviously, the ballpark is better and the squad is better around him, but he's got 48% hard of contact on the year right now. That's way, way up. That's 10% more than any year since he's been in the league. So he's hitting the crap out of the ball. He's got a 93-mile-per-hour exit velo right now, and he's hitting these home runs with an average 4.1 launch angle. So – I'm I'm taking him next year as a guy that's going to easily hit over 30 home runs, who's going to get 15 stolen bases, and is going to bat 30, you know, close 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 to 300, possibly over. Um, I think we're going to see a Jose Ramirez-esque breakout next year, not to that extent, but I think he's going to be Ramirez-esque next year. 
Um, to me, he's a true breakout, and I, I would take him so high to be stupid next year. Nick, I love him. I, I, I'm I'm with you, dude. Because like I, again, right? I think he's such he's such an advanced hitter and so knowledgeable that when he knows he can't crank a home run, he puts the ball on the ground and gets a base hit. Or, yeah, and and or listen, line drive and gets a base hit, and then when he gets the fat meatballs, he crushes them. And listen, the community, the community, the the, the fantasy community. And us have been calling it and waiting and waiting. And finally, we're getting it. And now we're going to dispute rolling with it. I'm rolling with it. It's real. It's finally here. He's arrived. Well, well wait a second. Wait a second. I don't, think, I don't think that anybody thought. I want to I wanna couch this correctly. Yeah, I know where you're going. I don't, I, I don't think that anybody was saying he's a 30-homer guy year after year after year after year. I think what we were saying at the time was he's got like mid twenties power if he can tap into it, and he's got like peak season thirty some odd homer power. Mm-hmm. Um, so now you're taking what was his peak and you're making it his norm. Um, so I, I think that's a little different. Well, no, I'm, what I'm saying is he's well, you, well, he's going to hit thirty bombs this year, right? So look, you're no, saying he's going to hit thirty bombs again next year. What I'm saying and that is, makes that his new norm. Well, what I'm saying is this: Listen, he's obviously undergone some kind of change this year. Okay, the hard contact, the hard contact does not just jump over ten percent, fifteen percent over last year, um, because for, by coincidence, it, we're in, we're in we're in the end of August now. Um, if he carries over what he's doing this year into next year, I easily expect 30 plus home runs and if he maintains the games that he made this year as far as um bat speed hard contact all that good stuff and just ups the launch angle just a little bit sky is the limit and he's got the speed and he's carried over the batting average with the swing change so that's why i'm throwing out the ramirez comp and i think sky's the limit for him next year yeah see i'm a, I'm a little bit different than you right like i'm not sure if changing the launch angle would be conducive to him doing better. I think he is the player he is. Again, like I keep repeating myself, but I think he is the player he is because he's he's so good at knowing what balls to hit. Like he it's very difficult to hit 310 and hit 30 home runs. I mean, that's and as a lefty. Yeah. That's extraordinarily difficult. Yeah, you see this is this is sort of where I come down. I, I think, I think to hit at this sort of power pace year after year after year, I think he's going to have to put the ball in the air more. Um, but I, I could see him doing that, and then you know, trading twenty points of batting average. Um, and at that point, he's still an extremely useful player because there's not that many guys that hit. 290 and hit 30 bombs. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, but the same way, there's not that many guys that hit 25 homers and hit 310. So, I mean, you might you you might be six in one, half dozen in the other in terms of the value he's going to give you. I just question whether he wants to be a 30 homer guy more, or he wants to hit you know 300 plus more. So, um, go ahead. No, that's it. So we spent a lot of time on him. I'm going to move on in a second. But my question to you is this. I kind of feel like he's been a little bit overdrafted the last couple of years. And now with all the gains that he made this year and what his final stat line will look like, 
Do you think he'll one? Do you think he'll be overdrafted next year? And what do you think his ADP will be? He's going to be top twenty-four for sure. Yeah, he's going to be about a second round pick. I think he's in the second round. And is it okay with you guys? Yes. Yes. Okay. All right. So we we all like him for next year then. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, if Andrew Benintendi was going as a second round pick last year, you know, I got to think that you get yellow cheeks around this year. Definitely. Yeah. Okay. Um. All right. Next up. Chris Archer. So, well, I'm not that much. I'm probably not as down on him as you guys. Um, But Archer has somehow been even worse as a pirate than he was as a Ray. And we're headed down the stretch here. The playoffs are coming. So is he droppable right now? Pat, you take this one. My my answer is sort of a cop-out, and it is – we're looking at about a month left of the season. Um, so a- anything can really happen at this point. Now, my instinct, my personal instinct on Archer is he's the type of pitcher that can get a hot and go on a, a you know, a borderline elite run um, just based upon his skill set with the strikeouts and some batted ball luck. Uh, for that reason, I would not cut him. But I wouldn't fault you if you wanted to cut him because there's not a lot of good signs here. Um, since coming to Pittsburgh, um, he struggled. There has been a change. Um, he's started throwing his two-seamer just as much as he throws his four-seamer. Um, the four-seamer has been bad. Um, so maybe if he shifts more to the two-seamer, um, that will help some more. But I do question whether or not the two-seamer is good for the slider. I don't think that those two pitches go well together because his slider has also been rather inconsistent since coming to Pittsburgh. Um, it, it just seems like he's a pitcher that sort of needs to get into the off season, um, you know, look at some tape, figure out where he's going wrong and come back next year. I do think he presents a nice buying opportunity going into next year because I think he's burned a lot of people over the last few years. He's never been a guy that's really lived up to his expectations. Um, so I'm, I'm thinking that he might be a nice value next year. And I am willing to hold him this year, but I do not fault you if you want to let go at this point. But just be aware, this is a month left. So you can, anyone can go on a run at this point. And he's got the skills to go on a really good run because he has those strikeouts. Nick? Yeah, so... Um, it, it depends on, it depends on league settings. First of all, um, obviously he's still getting you the case. They're not as good as they were, uh, last year and the year before, but, um, he's got 126 strikeouts and 118 in, innings that this year so far. So he is valuable there. Uh, if you're in a K to walk league, which Pat always yells at me for bringing this up, but there are people out there who do it. And if he is in a K to walk league, um, he's been pretty good as far as that goes as well, uh, as far as ratios go. Not as good as he was in the past. Um, but with Archer, he reminds me a lot of Carlos Martinez. I always comp the two as to being very, very similar to Owen. Um, they're extremely, extremely inconsistent start to start. And when they lose it, they absolutely lose it. Archer will go out there and fire three innings of perfection. And then the next three innings, just walk the world, miss the zone, and, you know, it's not a mechanical issue. It's just something that's going to stick with these guys. Now, is Archer better than what he's done this year? 100%. And so I think he's going to figure it out next year. Yeah, I think he'll come back down to 
you know, now that he's in Pittsburgh and he would be at the AL, I think he's a guy that could finish with like a 3.85-ish ERA next year with really good K totals and a decent whip. Um, I think that's a good realistic expectation. Yeah, it's a good realistic expectation. Um, just realize that the, the BABIP right now is 350 on the year. That's definitely going to come down next year. And, um, you know, I, I, Pittsburgh pitching staff, the pitching coaches on Pittsburgh uh, have done a good job in the past. Uh, they're, they're having – what? I don't know. Their well, recent track record hasn't been that good. The recent, Well, they've been – they've gotten Between a lot Between Glasnow of, and Cole? Well, gl- yeah, but Glasnow had his issues coming up. Um, and Glasnow basically right now is a glorified long man. And, and listen, and Cole was very, very good with the Pirates. It was – just remember that – and I brought this up every time we spoke about Cole in the past – is that he had fatigue issues the first two years he was in the majors. And that's not on Pittsburgh. They're not, they're not throwing guys out. You know, they, weren't, they weren't overworking him. He was just a young pitcher who got tired at the end of the year. Um, but, and they've done but a nice I, job. And, and Nick, I'm, I'm sorry to interrupt you, but they've also done a very nice job with Tyone uh, yeah. adding, adding that third pitch with the slider. Musgrove has had a nice year. Um, yep. So, I mean, it is a little bit hit or miss, Joe. Yeah, I'll grant miss, you that. Yeah. Um, it's a little bit more, bit more hit or miss than people like to think it is. Um, but it, it's you don't want to shift completely in the other direction either. No, sure. I don't want. I don't want to say that they're number thirty, but I think we we had an idea that they were like you know top five, and I'm not sure if they're they're that anymore. I think they're above average, but I don't <laughs> think they're. Elite. I think I think he'll. I think regardless, he's going to be a great great buy low next year. Okay, I agree with you guys that he's a good buy low. Nick, you mentioned, though, that you don't think there's a mechanical issue, but I think the statistics say to the contrary. His release point has changed, and um, I can't remember if his vertical release point has dropped or his horizontal release point has changed, but pretty much every year since um, his breakout year in 15, well, maybe not breakout, but his best year in 15, it has steadily changed. Um so I think there is a mechanical issue, which is a good thing because that might be something that the Pirates can work on on the offseason, right? But over a month, I'm not sure if he's going to have enough time to really do any tinkering. So I'm with I'm, I'm with Pat, and I do think he is droppable at this point if there's someone available that you can ride out. All right, just quickly, we all think that there's going to be a opportunity to buy low on our Archer next year in drafts. Where do you expect him to end up ADP-wise, approximately, among starting pitchers? See, I still think that he's the kind of guy that won't drop that much, regardless of what happened this year, because of the tools. Um, and f- the fantasy community as a whole loves Ks. So, um, and there are a lot of positives in, in Archer's favor, being in, in, in the Pirates on the Pirates now as opposed to the Rays. So I think he'll be um, somewhere around one thirty-ish. He can never do this, right? He's gonna be yeah. like twenty, like twenty mid twenties, mid to mid to back end twenties, I think. See, I wouldn't want him at that price. Yeah, that's a little. That's a little rich. I think that's where he's gonna be though, because right, Tanaka had a similar sort of. No, similar sort there's, of thing. there's no way, Joe. There's no way. You don't think so? you think he'll be no. even further? Yeah, Joe, Tanaka's the best. Tanaka's the best. Listen, you go through the top 20 guys, and let's go through the top 25. Well, Archer was being drafted, what, like 14, 15? 
Oh. Yeah, see, I, I'm thinking that he's outside the top 40. Well, I, I think that's where I'd want him, right? But I don't know if he's I, – maybe I'm walking back, right? But I don't know if he's going to be that f- far down. See, I think that he might be a guy that starts out outside the top 40 and then finds his way yeah, to – Yeah, definitely. Mid to low 30s as the year progresses and all the analysts say, oh, he's a great buy low. And I guess we're starting that. Yeah, <laughs> yeah I guess so. <laughs> We are the in analysts. August, in August, the year before. We but, are yeah. the analysts. Um, but yeah, I think he'll be one. I, listen, I like doing overall, okay? I don't have to put him in at a 20th overall pitcher. I like him one. I, I, I like to think of it as AD, total overall ADP, and he'll be like 130-ish, which will put yeah. him at, at like 30. His overall ADP is very helpful because everyone's got a different format. Whatever. Yeah, it's much better to put him in this context than starting pitchers. All right, so I put him at 35. Okay, 35. Okay. All right, yeah, so we're all in, like, the same neighborhood of where we like him, I think, to be. I'm just, yeah. I, I just – I mean, I don't know. I think I think probably squeak within the top 30 might be a possibility. Yeah, and to your point, Joe, it, it's been a really bad year for starting pitching. So and to Nick's there point, might not be this huge shift. Yeah, and to Nick's point, right – the fantasy community loves strikeouts, and the strikeouts are still there. They're down, but they're still there, yeah. Yeah. All right. Next up. Oh, my guy, Kendris Morales. Red hot Kendris. Kendris. Kendris has eight home runs in his last seven games and has hit one in seven straight. Um, does he keep it up? And uh, should he get more respect next year? I don't know. I mean, to me, he's got some impressive StatCast data, but I just can't seem to get past the fact that he really just looks like the best version of himself, which is like a 265, 270 hitter that's going to hit upper 20s homers. And while that's nice, it's not so outstanding that I think that we need to go crazy over him next year. Certainly ride out the hot streak. Um, I mean, even on the StatCast front, which is really the primary argument for him, he's pretty much third on his own team in terms of, you know, <laughs> StatCast data. <laughs> we're going back to Teoscar Hernandez, and we're going back to Randall Prechuk. <laughs> oh, it pains they, me. They take him out in most measures. Um, and that might hint that maybe the Toronto lineup is going to be sneaky good next year. But, I mean, yeah, he's Kendris Morales. He's boring. He's usually free. You'll usually turn a profit on him, but you'll never feel great about him. No. Um, so as a guy who's owned Kendris Morales for probably most of his career, <laughs> um, I can tell you this. He does this every single year. He does this every year. He's like really, really bad for a long stretch, and then he goes absolutely bananas in a month or two and somehow accumulates 25-plus home runs every single year and like a 250-plus average. Um, like Pat said, he's extremely boring. But it's funny. Once I started looking at his stats, I was like looking at him, and then I look at Eric Hosmer, and the fact that Morales is basically undrafted and Hosmer is going top 100 is insane if you just take a look, look at the stats because Morales has not just been as good, he's been better than, than, uh, than Hosmer and, and, and almost every single year since Hosmer has been in the league. So. Uh, I, I do like him next year. Is if you're in a deeper league, um, 
I like him as a guy who's going to, again, get 25-plus home runs, bat over 250, but he's extremely frustrating to own in head-to-head leagues because he could actually he could go 0 for 50 and then go 50 for 50. Yeah, I guess the question really here is, is Kendry's rosterable or draftable next year in a 12-team yeah, league? Yeah, I think, I, think I think he's draftable last yeah. round. Yeah, wait. Yeah. Yeah, okay. Yeah, I mean, I, I agree with you, and... <laughs> The the Hosmer point. I mean, like, when when are we gonna stop drafting Eric Hosmer? <laughs> never. Well, we're we, never gonna, they don't want to listen to us. Never, yeah, we're never gonna draft him. But yeah, I mean, people, what an idiot! Who made a bold prediction that he would hit a ton of home runs? What an idiot! Who? <laughs> Me. Yeah, good oh call. God, idiot. <laughs> it was bold. It was boldly stupid. Boldly stupid. Thirteen and six this many, year. Ooh. I was just about to ask how many does he have. 13 home runs, six steals, 250 yeah, average. 250, Jesus Christ. Oh, he, my and God. He, and he, and he and signed he, for 80 more years. Yeah, I can't. That that deal is one of the worst deals in the history it's, of baseball. It's awful, too, because the Padres are going to have so much talent around him, yep. and they're just going to have to play him because they have all this money tied to him. Yep. And they have no place for Will Myers to go. <laughs> he can't play the outfield. He can't what stay a joke. Oh man, it's a three thirteen OBP. Right That's now. how you ruin ruin a potential good thing. Yep. All right, let's move on. Um, Kenley Jansen. The overall line does not look bad at all. Thirty two saves and a two point eight three ERA. But it's been a bit of an off year for Jansen, and he struggled a ton in the month of August. What do we think about Jansen? I mean, I, I think that. Chance it sort of brings up an interesting point, and it comes down to the elite closer. And at the draft table, I always think it's a tough cross to bear, um, at least on draft day, because their value can shift so dramatically based on what is a very small sample. Um, and that sort of variance combined with the opportunity cost it's just not an investment that I like to make. And, and Jansen illustrates that this year. And it hasn't even been that bad. Um, you know, I'm hesitant to call. Jansen's, you know, quote unquote struggles or down year, a skills decline, because I learned my lesson a couple of years ago with Craig Kimbrell, um, that sometimes hitting injuries or mechanics can rear their head and cause some downside in a small reliever sample. Um, if this is the downside, it's really not that bad. Yeah. You would like the K's a little higher, the homer rate to go down a little bit. But he's fine, and and maybe he ends up being a value for those that are scared off. Although I tend to doubt it. Yeah, so I the, I I like I really tried to dig in on Jansen, and I know right earlier in the year he had some velo issues, and there's some minor drifting mechanical changes in his release point. But I think the big thing is actually his horizontal movement on his cutter is larger than it's ever been in his career. And you'd think normally that would lead to success as it's biting more. But I do wonder if the excessive movement on his cutter is enabling him to leave more pitches over the plate, right? He's used to his cutter moving a certain way, and now it's dipping out over the plate. And the walks are up a little bit, too, um, since they're highest since 2014. So, again, I wonder if he's just lost a little bit of feel for the cutter and it's moving a little bit more than he's he's used to over the last three years. Um Overall, I agree with you, Pat, right, that um, he's not really bad by any means, um, and he's really just gone from being far and away the best closer to still a really good one. Um, 
yeah, I, you know, I, I agree. I think that next year he will lose a little bit of value and it'll make him a little bit more buyable, but still it'll be too rich, rich for my blood. Um, I'm out on drafting closures that, that high. Um, but yeah, listen, if you, he, just remember he started the year injured. And if you take away that first month where he was absolutely atrocious, the following three months, he had a sub two ERA and he's kind of been blown up a little bit in August, but um, I, I still like him. I trust him. He's, he's awesome. Yeah. I, I mean, I, I'm with you, right? Like I, I'm not the type, we're not the types to really invest in closers, but I, I would be a little bit scared off because I'm not really interested in the closers that are going down in any way. Right. Like we sure, you know, Pat mentioned Kimbrel before and yeah, I missed out on, on Craig Kimbrel, but I don't really feel bad about that. Like I'd rather miss out on the elite closer than get absolutely crushed by closers, you know? Yeah. Like if you invest high and then you get killed, like that sucks. You can always grab someone else. I mean, Blake Trinan is a perfect example, right? Like he was pretty much free and he's been excellent. So there's always those guys. Yeah, excellent and understatement too. Yeah. Um, but yeah, no, I agree. Listen, you spend a sixth round pick. Sometimes you, I see these guys going to fifth round. Jansen Kimbrell, I mean. Yeah, and, and again, it's right, it's, it's too rich for someone that's shown any signs of decline, right? Like Jansen previously was a safe bet because he was so good for so long. But now you have to start to, to question it. Yep. All right, let's move on to our boy. Oh, that is, this guy is our boy. And we could we could finally take credit after hiding in the bushes the <laughs> yeah, we that entire it. year. Um, German Marquez. Uh, so the full season line doesn't paint the full picture of how dominant he's been in the second half. Um, what do you think, Joe? Is he, yeah, so, he, he's going to continue the dominance. Sure. So interestingly enough, right, Marquez is armed – with an absolutely nasty curveball, right? You and I have seen the curveball a ton. Sure. We love it. Um, uh, he's actually cut the curveball usage by by more than 30% and increased his fastball and changeup usage um, since he's had success. He's now throwing his fastball more than 50% of the time in his most recent starts. It's It also helps that he's gotten more out of his new edition slider um, that he added last year. So he's been able to attack hitters now with more fastballs getting in front of them and then finish them off with the nasty, nasty curve and the newly developed slider. So Marquez is a pitcher that's armed with four pitches, two, two now plus pitches, an okay fastball and an okay changeup. So, I, I mean, I'm a believer, dude. I've always liked him. You've always liked him. And a new pitch is often a good thing. And four pitches in the mix is a really good thing. I know he struggled at home. Um, he struggled more than Gray has in his fair share at home starts. But even at home, under this this little stretch here, Marquez has been excellent. So I don't know. I'm I'm biting. I'm in. Yeah, I'm in too. And just let everyone know, Pat, I'll be back in a second. You just had to step away for a second, for a minute. Um, but yeah, I'm I'm fully in on uh, on Marquez. Uh, you know, we we loved him. Uh, we but we loved him, knowing that there is going to be some volatility with the guy heading into yeah. the season. Um, right now, he's got an 18% swinging strike rate on the curve and the slider. That's really good. Um, good. And adding the pitch, adding pitches to the pitch mix is even better. Keep in mind that he's 23 years old. 
and he's making changes mid-season, um, and he's still growing and going into the next year. He's definitely a guy you want to keep tabs on. If he wasn't pitching in the Rockies, um, there oh wouldn't be yeah. There wouldn't be – listen, he's going to be a risk anyway, just like John Gray, same thing. Um, but I still like him next year. I, I definitely will have him uh, higher than I had him this year if he continues to dominate for the rest of the season because it looks real. I mean, it looks real to me. He looks composed. He looks friggin' awesome. Do you think there's any way Marquez goes before John Gray in ADP? No. Okay. How far different do you think they are in ADP? Um, like pitchers. Well, like, where people, do you think like Gray was going like thirty five this year? Actually, there's a lot of guys. There's a lot of guys going that high. There's a lot of guys that are having a really good second half right now, right? Okay. Um, yeah. Gaussman, Marquez, a couple of others I can't think of on the top of my head. Um, but bottom line is when people look. Cole Hamels. <laughs> Cole Hamels. When people look at um, do their analysis, they look at the final stat line, and the st- final stat line on Marquez isn't going to be as pretty. Um, well, it's not so bad right it's now. It's not so bad, but what I mean is Marquez was already what undrafted this year, or had an ADP of like what three hundred something like that. Yeah, um, I mean it was, it was pretty so, much undrafted. So the final stat line is not going to bump him that much higher. Whereas Gray, I think people will still chalk up the fact that the Babbitt was through the roof in the first half. There was some bad luck. Um, he got sent down. He came up. He figured it out, yada, yada, yada. So I think there could still be like 100, more than 100 plus uh, ADP gap between the two. And it's warranted because in my opinion, Gray is a better pitcher right now. And in my opinion, Gray is an ace if you put him on the right situation. I I agree with you, right? I guess my question is 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 a hundred is it warranted? Well, no, not is it warranted, but it, does a hundred picks intrigue you enough to wait on someone like Marquez over Gray? Especially, good, especially with the new pitch, right? Like, if he was still a three-pitch pitcher, or pretty much a two-pitch pitcher, right? He was really a fastball curveball guy with a show-me change, right? Mm. Now he's got he, – he's a fastball curveball slider guy with a show-me change. Yeah, and the slider is really good. It's good. So, like, dude, I don't know, man. Like, 100 picks is a lot for almost the same sort of – I mean, it's hard. it's hard – it's hard to imagine that Gray and even Marquez are going to beat Coors Field. It's just so hard, dude. It's so hard. They're not going to. That's what I'm saying. So, like, 100 picks is a lot of value in almost a, a very similar sort of player. It is. It is. But I know. I know. You just can't get away. John Gray's the best. I still, <laughs> I still take Gray – the hundred picks. I'd rather have Gray than Marquez. Like I said, just because if he is, if he, if one of these guys figures out a way to beat Coors, which Coors is the biggest evil villain there is. It's it's, it's like the unbeatable boss. Um, Gray has the potential to be an ace. I said it from day one. You were on him as well. The yeah. stuff is just like his stuff is elite, and Marquez is just like filthy. You know, Marquez is filthy. He's not. I don't think he's mature enough 
Um, yeah. Yeah, so let me just give you their lines, just so you, just so you have an idea, Go right? Ahead. So right now, Gray is uh, just about 10K per nine, mm-hmm. like right on the nose. 2.38 walks per nine and a 4.76 ERA. Mm-hmm. So 10K per nine, 2.4. What's, what's his FIP and XFIP? His FIP is 3.43 and his XFIP is 3.18. Yeah, it's obviously. Nice. Go ahead. Right, then Marquez is a 9.6K per nine, three walks per nine. And a 4.21 ERA. What's his FIP? Three, 3.86 FIP and a 3.54 XFIP. So Gray's been better. Gray hasn't hasn't been better. His peripherals yeah. say he should be better. Yeah, his peripherals. Yeah, exactly. That's what I mean. Um, but they're so close, dude. A 10K per nine versus 9.6. They are close. And you could look at it in the perspective like I, I said, oh, Gray is more mature. But then you could look at it and say, hey, Marquez is just 23. He could take a big leap next year. And he just added a pitch, dude. And he that's just a, added a that's pitch. That's like so big. So I get it. Listen, and I'm going to be on Marquez next year. I know, I know, I know, I know. I'm not trying to beat you up here. I'm not trying to beat you. No, 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 no. You're making a good point. And I, I completely agree with you. I'm not, I'm not getting beat up. I, I agree with you. Uh, we're going to both be on Marquez next year. Yeah. But the guy is just not as highly touted as Gray. That's definitely true. The guy is. He, he's not he's not a popular dude. He's not out there. He's not in articles. Guys know about Gray. Gray was the big guy this year. It wasn't just me and you. The fantasy community was on Dr- Gray. That's why he went high ADP regardless of what he did the year before in, uh, in ERA and with. Yeah. But I still, I still believe that Gray is, has ace potential. I mean like top 10 pitcher potential. It's just, I don't know if he could ever do it in cores. I don't know. Yeah, yeah, I don't know. It's it's gonna be an interest. It's it's in, gonna be very interesting where Marquez goes. I think. All right, and and just just for fun, I know we we spoke before about if Gray went to the Mets, right? Because we had a great friggin' trade for for the Mets to make, but they they didn't listen to us. They should have. Um, but if Gray went to the Mets, let's just say tomorrow. Where would you put Gray's ADP next year? Well, he was like right around 40, and you and I had him like 30. Yeah. Right? He's going to be further down this year. He's going to be further down. Yep. He's going to be fr- – I, oh, I guess as a Rocky, he'd be further down. Um, but let's just say he went to the Mets. Let's just say. Just for fun. Where would you rank him? Not what do you think his ADP would be. Where would you rank him? Where would I rank him? I mean, he's gonna move down. He's gonna move down. I put him. I'd put him at the seventeenth overall pitcher, right around there. That's how nah, high. I that's way too high for me. That's how much I like him. Just to just to make my point. That's too high. I mean, dude, I kind of, I kind of feel like, I don't know, man. The new pitch, bro. I'm getting baited. I'm getting baited hard. But get Marquez. I'm just saying. If Gray, I know. I know. Where would I know. You put Gray overall. All this right. A, easy question. Gray as a Met, probably where I had him. So probably like, probably like 32, 33. Okay. All right. Um. Next up, Jonathan VR, another traded player. Uh, VR has chipped in four home runs and six stolen bases during his stint with the Orioles, playing every single day, at just 44 percent ownership. In twelve team mixers, should owners get back on board 
for some category juice or no? So poor Pat, this is Pat's boy, but he's tending to his little boy right now as Pat is doing fatherly duties. (laughs) So we don't know where Pat is, but anyway, (laughs) on Jonathan VR. So if we gave him 600 plate appearances, he was on in and out of the lineup in Milwaukee, right? But now as an Oriole, he's got full playing time. With 600 plate appearances, he bases out for 15 home runs and 32 stolen bases. He'd be owned in every league yep. if that was the case, and drafted nonetheless, even with the even with the the up and down batting averages. So the counting stats, aside from the homers and stolen bases, aren't really going to be there because the Orioles have literally nobody to drive him in. But still, um, I think his percenter percentership should be closer to like 70%, especially right now when, you know, you're trying to win and he can provide you some of that category juice. So, I mean, I'm on, I'm on board in the sense that I think he should be owned right now because he's hot. He's getting stolen bases. He's hitting home runs. I'm just not on board with him ever doing the 60 stolen base thing again. That's like, that's not the player he is. Yeah. Um, yeah, I'm completely on board with it. Uh, me and Pat are both fans of VR. This year, I thought he was uh, he was a steal on draft day. Um, I liked him a lot last year. Um, you know, going into next year, he's definitely going to be high on my list because I think he's a guy who gets a lot of hate for injuries in the past, um, inconsistencies in the past. But I think at this point, I'm kind of starting to see what kind of player he is. And I think what he is is a guy that you could draft and that you can uh, confidently – rely on him getting like a 250 average or just around there. And if he plays a full season, definitely over 25 stolen bases. I would, I would project him personally for like 35. I know you don't like it for 62, but if he played a full season, where would you put his stolen base number at? Yeah, that sounds right. About 35. Yeah. Maybe, maybe yeah, I think he could even squeak up to like 40. But... So 35 conservatively. Um, I'd say in a full season, a floor, a floor of like, 27 a ceiling of like 45 right yeah yeah okay. so yeah, and especially if he's on like if so i i think he's in arbitration next year so if he okay. remains an oriole where they're going to be awful and he's going to be free to, gonna run. free to run yeah i i think he can get up to like 45 i mean see like the problem in milwaukee and we talked about this right is that if he gets off to a slow start they're going to be good enough that he's not going to be able to have plate appearances. Now, in in Baltimore, no one cares. Yeah. He's going to be able to play all the time. He's going to be able to run all the time. He's going to be a much, much better pick in Baltimore. Again, even if the runs and RBIs are like something like 100 total. Yeah, and you know the ball, it's a good ballpark. It's the AL East. Um, it's a lot of positives in, in VR's direction next year. I, I would... I would have him very high up on my list, especially considering where every single year, every single year in fantasy baseball, what happens? People draft steals too high every single year. You got D Gordon going too high. Um, You got Billy Hamilton always going too high. I got to think that's over after this year. Well, Billy Hamilton's got what? Like, yeah, it's steals. It's over, but he'll still be he'll still be drafted without a doubt. I gotta um, check. I don't know how many he's got. I don't want to sound like a dope. <laughs> Hamilton's got Hamilton. Oh my god, it's even worse than that. Hamilton's got twenty nine steals, dude. Yeah, 
And but, but people Gordon's got something like that too. But people will still draft him next year. And people are still going to – oh, D. Gordon is going to go – his ADP next year is – like he's another guy. He's going to start off with an ADP that's, that's deep and low, and people are going to be like, oh, my God, D. Gordon going I over here. No, bro. And then as soon as spring training starts and as you get closer to the draft, D. Gordon is going to absolutely skyrocket up ADPs. Dude, he's got 29 steals. He's batting 274, and what's he's got... What's the OBP? 296. You know, it's not that bad. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's awful. It's not bad for him. Yeah, what, that's... What was it, what was no, it's, it was 341. He had 341 OBP the year before? Yeah. Oh wow, that's pretty damn good. Yeah, and then and then his his like so his breakout year on on the Dodgers, he had a three twenty six, and then the his first year in Miami, he was three fifty nine. What are you talking about? D D. Oh, I'm, pull up pull up Billy Hamilton. Oh, Billy Hamilton. It's like probably like two sixty nine. His his on base. Billy Hamilton's on base percentage is three hundred. Last year is, it was two ninety nine. That's not bad for Billy. Yo, he sucks. He, he stinks. Sorry, Billy Hamilton, if you're listening. But D. Gordon is not going to be high, bro. Oh, yes, he is. No way. Oh, yes, he is. He doesn't even have 30 steals. Dude, he's, he's two years away from almost winning the MVP. He's on a good team. He's going to be batting lead up to start the year next year. He's still, what? What is he, 30 years old? 30, uh, 31? Uh, he is He's 30 right now. All right, he's 30 years old. When I tell you he'll be high, just trust me. D. Gordon is going to be high next year. Oh, and, and listen, back to the point. The point is that steals are always um, overrated. Over, always overrated, always taken too high. A guy like VR is perfect to stash next year because not only is he going to get you steals, he's going to get you some added pop, and it's always nice to add pop to your team. Um, yeah. Next up, the gas man, Kevin Gaussman. Uh, we talked about his ex-teammate Dylan Bundy last week. Uh, but now in the Braves, Gaussman is pitched much, much better. Can he keep this up? And do you trust him at all going into next year? I'm curious to hear what you think. I'll give you a quick, quick spiel on Gaussman, oh. though. So I, I haven't really noticed anything that would warrant the success, right? There's no change in pitch mix. The pitch movement's the same. The pitch velo is the same. Then the only noticeable change is that his horizontal arm slot has changed since he's gone to Atlanta, and that is sharply noticeable in the in the plots. Um, and it's apparently due to him pitching out of the stretch exclusively. So sometimes it's a change like this which makes all the difference. But I'm just not really sure yet that I'm buying into Gaussman. It is very encouraging. I think I just need to see a little bit more. All right, so Gaussman. Um, he's an interesting guy. Uh, a couple of years, you know, he's a guy that's talked about a lot. I think, I think with him, he's a guy that people see the potential, but then he just <laughs> absolutely gets demolished. It's sometimes. like Bundy. Yeah. Sometimes start to start, he just absolutely loses it. Um, I've always kind of liked the guy. And what I felt about Gaussman is this year was that he's still on the Orioles and we know what the Orioles do to pitching. So, so I don't think there's going to be much of an improvement where I think he needs to make a change. Um, and 
if he does, he's going to be a special pitcher. I always felt this way because the splitter is so damn good. It's so damn good. Um, this year, 20.5 swinging strike rate on the pitch. Last year, 23.5% swinging strike rate on the pitch. Um, if he can improve the curve a little more or improve the slider or p- just get a good third pitch, which right now he's throwing the slider um, a lot more than he's ever thrown it, I-, I think he could be good. And the Braves have been good with pitching. They've got a lot out of Newcomb this year. We saw, uh, we saw a lot out of Faulty this year. Um, uh, there's, there's definitely improvements in the bullpen. They've done good at bringing up the minor league minor league pitchers and Minter and um, uh, what's the other guy's name? I'm forgetting. Uh, Gahara. Gahara. Well, he had some issues, but Soroka. Uh, Soroka. Uh, their track record's been pretty good lately, and and they're they're evolving pitchers to the next level in Faulty and Newcomb, and now in Gaussman. So, Sant too. Do I do I love him? Yeah, do I love him next year? No. Uh, but do I like him as a late, late, late round pickup? I don't mind him as a as a six starter. I, I definitely don't mind him as a stash and wait and see because he does have that one dominant pitch. And if he's able to build around that splitter, um I think we could see a breakout at some point. At some point. It definitely is a wait and see guy. Like yeah. kind of what I said. The thing that, I mean, now that we talk about this a little bit more, it is a little concerning because the Braves have so many arms, right? So, like, some of these guys are going to have to be in the bullpen. It looks kind of like Gohara might be kind of slotting into that spot, but Soroka is definitely a starter. I don't know about that. Gohara has been a mess. Yeah, but with his build and his pitch mix, he's, he's built to be a starting pitcher. I really... I'd be surprised if he didn't start the year in that rotation next year. All right, that's fair. But s- someone like Soroka, right? I mean, I know he's out for the rest of the season, but Soroka is like the perfect type of innings eater type guy, like really, really high floor, just to eat innings away, right? So I think he'll probably, he's never going to, like he doesn't have the strikeout stuff to be in the bullpen, right? Gohara does. Um, Toussaint does too, but I think they're going to want to see what he has in the uh, in the rotation, so I don't know. It could just be a case where Gaussman's the odd man out, and you know they just stick him in the pen. Especially with the split finger, right? It's it's prone to to generating ground balls and being a control pitch. And he's also not one that's been known to get a lot of strikeouts. So I don't know, I'll, like a long man type thing. I could see it happening. Yeah, but now with the improved slider. I mean, again, right? I'm not. I'm not dismissing the fact that I agree with you that as a late round pick, he's worth a shot, right? But I'd probably want next year. I probably want to take roll the dice on someone like Ohara, a Tucson, over um, Gaussman because I think that they have the potential to be, you know, the next big thing. Whereas Gaussman, I'm not so sure. You yet. think Ohara has the stuff to be the next big thing? No. Like, not the next big thing, but he could be. You never know. Like, he's got better stuff. I think he's got better strikeout stuff than uh, think Gossman has. See, I, I kind of disagree. Just because, just because, just because Gossman hasn't accumulated the strikeouts yet doesn't mean he doesn't have good strikeout stuff, if that makes sense. Like, the splitter it, it generates so much swing and miss. Like I said, if he can evolve this slider any more than he has this year – 
and get a decent fourth pitch, I, I think it could be special. The splitter, sure. the splitter is a dominant pitch. Sure, but I think Gohara's slider is better than Gaussman's right now. So I think right now, right, all things being equal, I'd rather roll the dice on Gohara potentially, you know, breaking out. Okay. I think he's got more. I think he's got more fantasy upside than Gaussman does. Now I might eat my words, and Gohara might be in the bullpen. I think that's a real possibility. Gaussman, Pat. I'm back from baby vomit. Um, (laughs) Yeah. Gossman and Gohara, I mean, you're both talking – I think you're talking about two guys that are both two-pitch guys. Yes. You know, I mean, you're talking about one guy's got – one guy's fastball slider, and that's Gohara. Mm-hmm. And you've got Gossman that's fastball splitter. Now, I mean, the, the big issue with Gohara, I think, uh, aside from the fact that he's a two-pitch guy, is I don't think we know that he has any command whatsoever. Um, with Gossman, I think we can say he's got – at least he's got control, right? Like we know that he can throw strikes and avoid walking guys. Sure. Um, see, I, I think that the comp for Gossman right now is the guy that we talked about earlier, which is Archer. And, and, and you know, he doesn't have the same strikeout upside that Archer does. But I also think he's got a little bit better control. Um, so, so let me just stop here right there. Let yeah, me just ahead. stop you right there. So I just want to fill you in on the, on like the middle of this conversation, right? So we're okay. talking about Gaussman, and what I mentioned is that the fear of mine for Gaussman next year is the potential that he's not actually starting because there's so many there's so many guys, right? There's Soroka, there's Gohara, there's Toussaint, there's Fulte, right? So there's a lot of different guys. Newcomb, right? So there's just a lot of different guys. Someone's going to end up in the pen, and that's why that's kind of where Gohara and Gaussman came to be. Not that they're similar, just that the conversation evolved to go. But they are kind of similar, like so, well, in a way, but in a way. not in a results way. Yeah, not. But in a isn't way. but isn't the point of having a guy like Gaussman that you don't have to rush those kids? Sure, and like, I think Sarug I mean, Sasan kind of like just hit. Desant just hit the upper levels. I mean, Soroka, for all we know, I mean, Soroka's banged up, right? Like he had shoulder yeah, exactly. injuries. So we have, yeah. we have absolutely no idea what his status is going to be. Sure. I mean, you know, they could say he can be ready for spring training, but whatever. I mean, Jimmy Nelson was supposed to pitch this year. It never oh, happened. Yeah, um, so I don't think that you can, you know, pencil Soroka in for anything at this point. Um, you know, Gohara's had a really rough year. Uh, Desant had a nice start, and he's – steadily improved and gotten better, um, you know, during the course of his minor league career. I mean, he's still a baby. I, I don't even know that he's, I think he's like 21. Maybe. Yeah. Um, so, I mean, you know, he can use more seasoning. He's, I don't think he's a finished product yet. Um, you know, Colby Allard came up and made a start this year. Uh, I don't know necessarily that he's better than Gossman, um, you know, in the short term. So I'm not terribly worried about that as far as Gossman goes. I mean, I think they traded for him to be a starter, maybe to be a bridge to some of those guys. Um, I think I would prefer Gossman to Tehran. Um, so I think Tehran would be the guy that I would boot out of the rotation before I I Gossman out. That's fair. Yeah, I agree um, with you. Or maybe they, maybe they trade one of them. I mean, that's completely possible too. Um, sure, who's a, do you what's guys, up? Who's a, who's a successful pitcher with – the splitter as their first pitch, the most strong pitch. I mean, Tanaka. Otani? 
and yeah, Tanaka. Do you think that that would benefit Gaussman to make that his first pitch and cut well, down? It, I don't. I don't even think those guys. It's their first pitch. It's just they use it. He just doesn't have the secondary stuff like either of them have. Yeah, I mean, like Tanaka's got a slider. Tanaka yeah. can kind of use to make up for. But I don't know. The, the slider's been good for Gaussman this year. I I just think there's a little bit of upside in Gaussman. What's the, do, what's the whiff rate on the slider? Do you have it? Yeah, I pull up in one second. It is the uh, it's only twelve and a half, but the splitter's twenty point five. Um, yeah, so the slider's like I think that's below average for a slider. Yeah, it's yeah, like it's well a, below average. Okay, it's not bad. Well, fifteen. I think like I, for whatever reason, I have fifteen percent in my mind as average. I'm not sure that that's official, but. That would seem like a pretty high average. No, I think that would be pretty low for a breaking pitch. Yeah, it's breaking pitches are higher. Well, anyway, listen. Point is, do you guys like him? Uh, the rest as of the league, fl- do you trust him the rest of the way this year? Uh, well, trust is a relative term. Like, trust him how much? Like, I'm starting him every time out, regardless of opponent. No, no. are you are you starting him in playoff games versus the right opponent opponents? Sure. Yes. Okay. Yeah, I think he's earned that at this point. And what do you? And next year, is he anywhere on your radar when draft comes around? He's he's late for me. I'm with you, Nick. Like late, late flyer. I, I, I would say, I'd say comparable to where he was this year. I think he was right around fifty, right? But I'm saying, is he on your guys' radar? Your radars, both of you. Yeah, I'm willing to take a shot. Definitely. Okay. Yeah. Uh, next up, Daniel Murphy. Despite taking a long time to get on the field, Murphy has been a really productive player. And um, he's close to in line with the prior two and a half seasons of production with eight home runs and a 313, 355, 475 slash. Overall, in 234 plate appearances and seemingly reinvigorated by the trade to the Cubs, he has done enough, has he done enough, to be started down the stretch in your fantasy lineup. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I never really lost faith in Murphy, and he's a lot like Turner. Um, they both miss their fair share of time, but when they've played, they've been pretty good and productive. I mean, right there, like there was a time where we were talking about Turner being like absolutely an absolute zero. I mean, we weren't specifically, but the fantasy community at large was, and Turner's been like perfectly fine. So, I, I don't know. I mean. Murphy has burned his owners this year for sure, a hundred percent. But he's done nothing really to to scare me away. Yeah, I mean the slugging is down a little bit, but I think that might be somewhat residual getting back into the swing of things early on because he's been swinging the bat really well of late. Um, my thought on Murphy is he's older, he's got the injury, he's got a productive bat, but it's not really very sexy. Power isn't huge. There's no speed there, etc. And he's got some burn factor to him after this year, um, you know, because there were people that were taking him very high and he didn't show up until, you know, close to the all-star break. Um, so, I mean, he's exactly the type of player I want to target if the market goes south, which I expect it to. Um, the biggest reason why is I, I think a team is going to sign Murphy in the offseason and play him at first base or an AL team is going to sign him and play him at SDH. And I think his chances of staying – on the better side of healthy increase exponentially if he's not playing second. 
See, I still think the ADP a little will be a little too rich for my blood. Like, it, it's been any regardless. I mean, up until now, and next year, I don't know. Do you think he'll still be in the top like one fifty ADP overall? I imagine that's like very close to where he's going to end up going. Yeah, like one close to one fifty. Okay. Yeah. I think he's outside of – definitely outside of the top 100. I so, agree, 100%. For me, it's it's completely based on team comp, and I, I wouldn't be able to – I don't see myself taking him honestly in any scenario because um, now not only has he been mediocre as far as power goes and extremely underwhelming as far as speed goes over the last four years, but now he's going to be 34 next year going into the ne- into, into the next season. He's still, you know, he's getting injured. He, he, he's, he is kind of still injury prone. Um, I don't trust him, and I'm not going to take a guy with whose upside is what next year? 20, 23 home runs, three steals, 300 average, if he plays the whole season. Yeah, just- the, thing, the thing is always like Pat has mentioned time and time and time again that you cannot replace 313. It's like impossible to replace. And so him and Turner, yeah, they're extraordinarily unsexy. I mean, they're like about as unsexy as it gets. But it's very difficult to replace 313. I mean, that's it. Yeah, you can't replace the batting average. It's as simple as that. And it's and the 23, 25 homer ceiling. Yeah, they're not zeros. It's not, yeah, it's not 15. It's not 10. Yeah. And, and the counting when, stats are there, right? They're both in yeah. premium spots in the lineup. Well, per, uh, yeah, well, per game counting stats. Yeah. Because, I mean, the volume isn't going to be there. You, sure, assume. sure, sure. Yeah. But if you, if you take the volume away and you say, all right, well, I can plug them in, I can plug them out, I account for DL stints, uh, you know, I'm getting 120 games of. 25 homer bat, 310 batting average. It's it's hard to it's hard to find that. And I mean, second base has been pretty good this year, but he's also got second base eligibility. And I think that that even even for comping him the Turner, I mean, I think I'd rather have the bat at second than have the bat at third. Yeah, and like- third I think is probably the deepest position <laughs> in baseball at this point. I mean, I yeah. think it's gone past first base, definitely. Oh, yeah. I mean, Murphy Murphy having first base eligibility is a good thing because first base has been so bad this year. I mean, Bellinger just hit 20 or 21, right? So, like, you know, if you're if – you're, maybe, maybe, maybe we have to s- shift our strategy instead of thinking, oh, we have to get 30, 35 home runs from first base. It's like, no, nah, maybe we need 30, 35 home runs from outfield – and we get a nice 313 batting average from first base. I mean, that's not a bad gig. You're still going to be beating almost everyone at first base in terms of batting average, at least. See, what confuses me about Nick's take is... Kendrick Morales? No, no, it's not Kendris. It was going to be Anthony Rendon. What? He has like the same thing. Anthony Rendon is like a 25 homer bat with like a 285 average. Well, so what's your you're obsessed with Rendon, but you don't like Murphy and Turner? 
Well, let me just tell you why. First of all, Rendon is 28, and he's not going to be 34 next year. That's number one. Okay. Number, okay, two, well. number, number two, I, have, I had completely unrealistic expectations for Rendon this year going into the season. Uh, okay. based, on, based on what he did last year as far as hard contact and contact in general, plate approach, all that good stuff, I felt like he could be a guy who could hit 30 home runs and steal 10 bases and bat. 300 plus and then get a ton of counting stats. And I do think that Rendon could have a 30 homer season in his bat. I, yeah. I would agree with that. All right. And this, and what, like Murphy at, the, at this point, he is what he is. He's not going to eclipse 25 home runs. He's not going to steal over five bases. He's just good for average. And it's kind of like the way Posey is now just, I mean, obviously I'd rather have Murphy over Posey, but it's just, it's just not, doesn't excite me. It just doesn't so excite me. Here, yeah, here's like, the, here, here, here's a big thing for me, right? If Murphy and Turner are in like the 140, 150 range, well, you just got the same player for 100 picks cheaper. Who Turner? Justin? Yeah. Because Rendon is going to be like in like 40 overall. I, I don't know about that, Joe. I, I what do you mean? He was like 43 this year. Yeah, but he right now he only has. 17 home runs in the year, and he's batting 299. Okay, so maybe maybe he's 50 or 60. He's not going to fall so that far. So let's take this a step further on Rendon. Have you changed your opinion of Rendon now, Nick? No. No. So you still think like he's higher end than Murphy and Turner, even you know per game basis? Yes. Okay. The only reason I might be with Nick on that is because I think I've said this time and time again. I think that foot is still bothering him. Who? Rendon. Okay. This year, you mean that's the reason why the numbers might be down a little bit. Correct. Um, yeah, I mean, I don't mean to say that I, I like Murphy or Turner better than Rendon. It's just I, I, find, I find it funny that Nick doesn't like Turner and Murphy – and yet likes Rendon because I just – I think they're the same quality or the same type of player. And what I find most appealing about Rendon is the fact that he combines, you know, mid-20s pop with the ability to steal a few bags, which those other guys don't. But he's also a guy that can hit 285 to 300, and that's a rare skill. So – like you're talking about the difference of like five steals between them in my mind. Yeah, and if it's gonna come at ninety picks cheaper, I think I think the injury risk is kind of baked in there at that point. And, and, and Rendon, you know, Rendon's oh yeah, he's, exactly. he doesn't have a clean bill of health. Yeah, Rendon is not a guy that's been the picture of health during his career, and you know, like you said, even if the, even if it's this year, fine, he didn't miss any time, but uh, it might have dragged down his performance because he was banged up. You should uh you should uh have this conversation with Toby next week because I know he's a big Rendon guy so see where he's at check his pulse yeah be interesting yeah all right uh anything else you guys want to add before we wrap it up now what did you guys think of Jonathan VR did you say he was the uh, best well, I went we said good things him. we said good things I love him twenty four yeah. homers thirty six steal pace right now in his time in Baltimore people. Bye, yeah. bye, 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 yeah, bye, bye. Yeah, in 1532, right, uh, 600 plate appearance space. So, yeah, he's been, he's been good. Long, long story short, 
like what I said about VR is that steals are steals are overdrafted every single year, and a guy like Rendon next year, I mean, I'm sorry, a guy like VR next year is just going to be a steal. He's going to run wild on that team next year. When yeah, and you might actually get a pretty decent discount because nobody's going to want Orioles. Yeah. Yep. 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 I'm on it. All right. Okay. That covered what I'm what I what I wanted to go over. All right, what, Nick. I, I've heard you've been tweeting. I've been tweeting. You could, hey guys. All right, here we go. You ready? <laughs> now go to Twitter, Nick. This is the first sign of the apocalypse. Go to Nick FWO. I will be tweeting only football stuff because baseball is over. <laughs> oh. We just lost our like six listeners. Yeah. <laughs> Good job, Nick. All right, you can find me at Joe FWO, occasionally tweeting about Tyler White walk-off home runs. And you can find me at Patrick FWO. Um, My hiatus from Twitter is over. My vacation is over. I will be back online starting this week. Guys, um, I hope you enjoyed me hosting tonight. I think I did a fantastic job. You did do a good job. It was very Bob Barker-esque. I think last time I was drunk, to be honest. But um, I'm sober now. So, um, anyway, have a good night, guys. Good luck in the fantasy playoffs. Thanks for uh, listening. That's all. Go out and draft Peyton Barber if you haven't yet. This is firefighter Raphael Poirier for Firehouse Subs, introducing the new Firehouse Pub Steak Sub with savory steak, crispy fried onions, and our rich Belgian beer cheese sauce. On tap for a limited time. Order yours at firehousesubs.com today. Remember, a portion of every sub you buy helps provide life-saving equipment for first responders. Firehouse Subs. Enjoy more subs. Save more lives. Limited time only, plus tax. Participating locations. Firehouse Subs will donate a minimum of $1 million in 2018 to the Firehouse Subs Public Safety Foundation by donating 0.13% of every purchase.